Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now, here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, this is Istok, and you're listening to episode 42 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. Before we start with today's episode, which I think is it's really great. I just want to share with you an update and some news as we are going into a new content cycle here at Digging Trail. We'll start with the 2023 Airline Digital Optimization Research and Yearbook, which is the biggest digital benchmark in our industry. So if you are working in airline digital optimization, you'll hear from me in the following days and weeks. This research cannot be done without your participation, so I really appreciate your support and helping me with the survey. I'm also very pleased to share that BranchPace is our new podcast partner and sponsors. I'm really happy about that because the team at BranchPace is focusing and promoting the same things as we do for the airline industry. So building great digital experiences and doing smart digital optimization by enabling experimentation and personalized digital flows. Now, let me talk about the new episode because I think you'll really love it. Let me share a story first. Back in January 2022, Leonard Dobrowski from Lufthansa Innovation Hub was my first guest on this podcast. We talked about the future of travel and all about the interesting research the team, his team at that time at Lufthansa Innovation Hub was doing. Up to this day, that episode is still the most downloaded one in our podcast history. So this is why more than two and a half years later and more than 40 episodes later, I think it is a high time to have somebody from Lufthansa Innovation Hub talking about the future of travel again on this show. I talked to Tino Aklene, who is a director of strategic innovation and intelligence at Lufthansa Innovation Hub, and he shared some fascinating insights on how they are trying to predict what will happen in the future. So things that are really important for us that work in travel and airline industry. Now, please enjoy my talk with Tino. Hi, Tino, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's actually, I'm really looking forward to this episode. I don't know if you're aware of this, probably not, but your colleague, Leonard, he was the first guest on this podcast more than two and a half years ago. Yeah, (laughs) so 40 episodes later and more than two years later, I said, uh, I think it's great time to have somebody from Hans Innovation Hub again. Because I'm really fascinated by some of your work, especially market research. And why I wanted to talk here at Digging Trail, what we teach for airline digital marketing is to be agile by not only looking at your data, but exploring external demand data sources like meta search data, flight search data, Google Trends data, all these kinds of data to be agile, to predict demand trends, and then let's say adjust your digital marketing campaigns. But what I see or how I understand what you guys are doing is this taking this one step higher on the business level. Yeah? 
So you are analyzing these bigger trends in our industry or in, let's say, connected industries to predict future business trends. And this is really fascinating to me. So maybe before we jump into the details, if you can just share a little bit of details about your role and what is that you actually do at Lufthansa Innovation Hub. Yeah, happy to do so. So, well, first of all, Lufthansa Innovation Hub, well, as the name kind of indicates, we are part of Lufthansa Group. We are a separate entity based in Berlin, around about 55 people. We have a small satellite office in Singapore, Asia. And yeah, we actually set out to build new business in the travel and mobility tech industry. And this is our playing field, TNMT, as we call it. And yeah, my role actually is at the very beginning of the journey and actually trying to uncover the opportunities that are out there in the market because everyone wants to understand what's the future of our industry, <laughs> what are the good opportunities, what should we kind of bet on. And yeah, and kind of all corporates, well, want to predict the future. We are more or less kind of yes, set out to do so. And as you just said, we also share the love for data and actually really trying to uncover the unobvious uh, signals that are out there, right? Because yes, we also read all the reports and the things kind of that is out there, but want to fill the data and the inside gaps by yeah, doing our own research and to do this in an unconventional way. And yeah, together with the strategic intelligence team at the Lufthansa Innovation Hub, we do all sorts of different research and yeah, actually then try to make it very actionable <laughs> in yeah, trying to find the, yeah, the next unicorn in travel or maybe even bigger, but also yeah, actually understand what is happening out there because you first need to understand what is happening in order to make a really informed decision. And this is what we're doing for Lufthansa Innovation Hub, but yeah, actually for the entire Lufthansa group, but also for the ecosystem. Yeah, no, the fascinating part for me is I don't see many airlines, especially doing this in such systematic way. But before we get to one interesting thing that you said, doing it in an unconventional way, uh, let me ask you one other thing. I saw somewhere, I don't know if it's your, on a website or on some other posts, that Lufthansa Innovation Hub is basically exploring new digital business models with a mission to create and capture value beyond flying. So talk a little bit about this, the, the last part, beyond flying. How do you see that? Yeah, so that's actually our current mission statement of the Lufthansa Innovation Hub. And yeah, create and capture value beyond flying actually means, well, creating value. Hi, right? So we are not an NGO. So we, are, we, on, we need to yeah, create value for the passengers, but maybe also for other business, right? Because not every time the customer is the passenger itself, it can also be no, other airlines, it could be travel managers, right? So we have big business travel um, business. And so you, we need to create value for all sorts of different stakeholders. And obviously, we also want to capture value from it, right? So we're not the NGO, as I just said. And this value can also not only needs to be monetary, but can also be strategic value, can be inside value, can be media value, brand reputation, could be all sorts of different sorts of value why we do the things. Yeah, and actually beyond flying, well, Lufthansa Group owns a lot of different airlines, right? And as we all know, there's a lot of 
people, employees working at those airlines. And actually, there's a lot of brilliant people and specialists working at the airline that are so good in their work and really close to the core and the product actually, yeah, producing flights or operating flights like on a daily level, right? So they're kind of the experts and they also have the expertise and the powers to really shape the flight product. And for an innovation unit, it is also very important kind of to differentiate differentiate yourself, right? And really kind of say, okay, what is kind of our turf? And the flight itself, we would argue, is very well covered by those experts, right? So there's passenger experience designers, like product managers. So there's a lot of people really looking a lot at the core product of, of, of the flight, right? Then... In the last decades, there were like more people coming coming on the digital side, right? That optimize online touch points, inspiration journeys, communication systems, and all those kind of, let's say, additional touch points that add to the passenger experience that is kind of like happening in the cabin, right? So then there are those additional touch points. But if you think of the, not as the passenger or the customer of an airline, but rather, hey, the individual that we serve, they might identify themselves as the traveler, right? And the flight, no matter how important it is to us, might just be considered a means to an end. And there the question is also not for every kind of trip you need to fly. And obviously you will not always fly with Lufthansa or another airline, but yeah, choose between different ones or another mode of transportation. So if you then zoom out from your own customer journey, you find yourself in what we describe as the traveler life cycle of, hey, there is an inspiration phase, there is a decision-making phase, then you, yes, you book, but then there is the whole preparation phase. And then you obviously, then you travel, you might also have like, you know, um, a multi-step itinerary, uh, you might travel intermodal, uh, you are at the destination, then you're also flying back, right? So, or take another mode of transportation. So there are all those steps part of the traveler journey that are, let's not call it ignored, but that are not focused on by the traditional airline staff because they are obviously optimizing for their core product. And so we set out, okay, let's zoom out and look what is necessary and connected to the core of flying. However, what is actually beyond uh, what is happening in the cabin. So that's actually our yeah playing field. Yeah, we'll focus on our talk mostly on market intelligence, but mm-hmm. you go just to the other part, the innovation of Lufthansa Innovation Hub. This is how... You build some of the digital products, like products like Ride, Squay, Compensate, and Rivenel. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, these are examples of providing value beyond flying. For example, Ride's providing mobility options that are connecting yeah. to traveling, but not to flying directly. Yes, completely. Okay. Now the the interesting part to me is when we are talking. Okay, I figure out or I understand, and I hope our listeners understand better why are doing this market intelligence, trying to figure out what's going on. But you mentioned one word that you say you try to do it in an unconventional way. And this is the one part that is uh, interesting to me. So I was just reading one of the reports when you used machine learning, AI, natural language processing to parse, if I'm not mistaken, uh, airline earning calls. So. Yeah. This is, for example, one example, but can you talk a little bit more about this unconventional way, let's say more startup way, agile way of 
getting this market intelligence. Yeah, what we actually call strategic intelligence, so all the information you kind of need to make informed strategic decisions. Um, we just figured, hey, no one is kind of giving you their strategy, right? Or like you, like the future is really uncertain and a lot of people actually are active and are doing things, but maybe they might not even know what they're doing, right? And so there, there's, it's really hard to find a common thread and to actually understand where everything is going. And probably all corporates, especially uh, after the corona crisis, well, uncertainty grew even more. And well, even the things that we kind of learned before kind of need to be relearned. And so we kind of try to track the smallest signals, but also the more unconventional ones to really understand, so, hey, what is going on and trying then to make sense out of it, right? Because we believe the future compounds kind of every second, right? So all the tiny signals will compound into something, but everything is also so active and so in motion that you also need to constantly track it, right? So it's not only... Yeah. Like can't do a benchmarking like, I don't know, every two years, right? So how it kind of, you know, used to be the corporate standard maybe in the past and uh, then work from it. No, you need to be like constantly informed to make the best strategic decisions or kind of to keep it informed and um, yeah. And one of our most dominant unconventional data points is venture capital or um, yeah, investment or funding dynamics. So we try to understand where the money is going and I say, hey, we follow the money because we argue that venture capitalists are supposedly smart people and they <laughs> spend a lot of resources and time in finding the best bets kind of for the future, right? And you could also argue based on their rhythm of the venture capital funds, they might also have a similar horizon as um, as a corporate, right? So, I don't know, five to 10 year or maybe even a little bit shorter. So understanding where they are betting a lot of money on, yes, it's not their own money, and yes, there <laughs> might be valuation bubbles and all those kinds of things, but that's another story. I think we can agree on, hey, those are smart people trying to make the best decision possible. And for us, we argue, hey, it's at least important to understand where the money is going and where those smart people believe uh, opportunity in our industry is lying for the next years to then make an informed decision whether we want to go along and then really choose, hey, how do we want to participate? Do we want to build something on our own? Do we want to invest or co-invest together with those venture capitalists? Or do we want to partner with uh, some of those uh, startups that might receive a lot of money and a lot of traction, but actually need the industry partners or the access to the industry? So yeah. very yeah. interesting. No, like you said, looking at uh, where the investment goes, where the venture capital goes, analyzing airlines earning calls, these are really great examples of being innovative and using like some of the technology and the data science uh, algorithms that we have to parse this. But what I'm interested is you said, okay, we are parsing this stuff. We are looking constantly, being agile, trying to parse this and we get pulses. Yeah. So small pulses. To me, the challenge with this is, and this is I'm, my next question, obviously, is how you put these pulses together to predict or to see a bigger trend? Yeah, there the 
first step is to acknowledge, hey, there are a lot of different types of signals and kind of you need to understand like which of them are good for what, right? And similar to this, I don't know, Agile product, OKR kind of basically <laughs> could argue, hey, there are, there are lagging indicators and there are also leading indicators, okay. right? So, well, looking at past venture capital investments, hey, this is looking into the past, right? Those are the lagging okay. indicators. Same is true with parsing, um, earning call transcript, right? And here actually the good thing of digitalization comes in, it, all the tools uh, are out there, right? And also access to earning calls uh, transcripts is also widely available, right? So actually everyone could do it, but it's not very common, especially not for corporates to do such kind of things. But it's very interesting to understand, hey, what are oh, all sorts of stakeholders or at least kind of market shareholders are interested in? What kind of questions do they ask or what do we write into our uh, earnings calls, right? And um, understanding whether, hey, is the topic of sustainability or the general topic of innovation something that people speak about or is it just about, uh, yeah, revenues, earnings losses and, uh, yeah, and booking numbers, right? So really understanding, hey, where is the, um, I don't know, the, the cognitive brain power actually going from a decider part, part right, um, is um, yeah is an important aspect. But then yeah, looking into various different sorts of um, data points and also data sources, trying to understand hey, what kind of apps are the passengers uh, using at the moment, right? So we look into um, app store download data, right? Yeah. And, and hey, which are the most favorite travel apps that people use, right? But which are also the other yeah. ones that they use kind of or download um, at the same time, right? One interesting example that I saw here lately that you did is with this increasing oil and gas prices. I think you analyzed the correlation between uh, gas price and how many, how much yeah. people use these yeah. ride-sharing uh, apps, right? So this was one very interesting insights and some examples of what you're talking about. Yeah, also during uh, COVID, kind of like when, yeah, all flights are canceled and, well, the decades of historic uh, booking data was useless <laughs> for network planning, like for, for internal airline planning, right? Mm -hmm. And then we actually uh, set out and assisted Lufthansa Group um, with one of our unconventional approaches of actually we built an uh, index which was called uh, a go out or stay home index of where we grouped different apps, kind of the uh, stay home index was kind of a little bit simplifying here, but Netflix, it was a home delivery. So yes. all those things where you see, right. hey, those apps and features that people use when they're planning to stay at home, right? right. But the go out index is was all sorts of apps around uh, public transportation, about navigation apps, but mm. maybe also, I know, booking.com, travel planning. So all those apps that are associated with the outdoors, with moving, with increasing radiuses. And actually, we really got a lot of interesting insights of this uh, download data, especially geographic data, right? Seeing like, oh, which geographies are the quicker ones actually to go out again, right? And maybe there it might make sense to, yeah, to start flying to again or maybe have a, a marketing campaign yeah. over there because people seem to be more likely to do so, right? So it's not only about spotting business opportunities, but also bringing in different perspectives to your daily business operations as well. 
that's a great example. And like I said in the beginning, this is what I see one of the key changes, the way airlines should do, let's say, business planning, marketing planning, capacity planning, and then e-commerce, what we specialize is, is trying to be much more innovative and agile with these kinds of things too, because the the times of two yearly planning cycles when we had two seasons, I think, are unfortunately uh, in the past. Now, we talked about why are you looking at the insights and now how are you doing this? So what's the next thing that I'm interested in is, so what are some of the biggest trends or what are some of the biggest things that you are currently focused on and that you are seeing? Because I see with COVID focus a lot on mobility, on changes of the travel habits, uh, things like that. Sustainability is a hot topic lately. So maybe if you can just share a little bit what are the key, let's say, bigger trends that you see out there? Yeah. So as we just said, with Corona actually happening, this was like a big strategic inflection point, right? So a lot of uh, things have been kind of accelerated, right? So it's not necessary that new things really emerged because of Corona, but a lot of things has been accelerated. And yeah, most of the things that we believed were true before Corona might have changed completely or yeah, accelerated afterwards. And um, we are also currently working on a report that uh, the listeners uh, can uh, subscribe to as well. And we are already releasing some analysis on what we call the great inversion. So the great inversion is actually our narrative of how we believe the... Um, the industry is going to change over the next decade, right? So we believe there is a pivotal transformation within travel and mobility and that the actually the entire value chain is going to flip. So what, I, what do I mean by that? Well, our industry has very well been asset-centered for decades or even for centuries, right? And that's... And that's that's not a bad thing. That's a very logical thing, right? As an airline, if you have to buy airplanes, right, you better try to make the most money out of each airplane as possible, right? So you base all your planning based on your physical assets, but also on your human assets, right? So crew, pilots, everything. So you plan everything asset-centered and you also try to optimize your network um, based on that. But you could also argue, well, this is not very much demand-driven, right? So all industry, the entire travel and mobility industry kind of works within sort of aggregated demand, right? So they know, well, people would like to go for summer vacation or there are certain hubs for business travel as well. Maybe we take some aggregate information into our demand planning, but hey, we, we are asset-centered in the end, right? And... If you look at the real estate market, there is an interesting phenomenon in the real estate market. And um, probably every one of us has heard about the difference of a seller versus a buyer market, right? So, well, when there is a seller market in the real estate market, as we are currently still in, is that house prices go up, right? So it's a good market for the seller of a, of a real estate because... Um, yeah, economic situation. Everyone wants to buy a house, but there's not a lot of assets in the market. So prices go up. You can dictate, right? So all the power is at the seller. But in real estate, 
because of economic uh, relationship. When everything goes down the drain and there's an economic downturn, everyone wants to sell their assets. So there's a lot of houses in the market and not a lot of people want to buy it. Then the market turns in favor to the buyer. And that's what we call a buyer's market, right? So all the negotiation power is now with the buyer. And we believe that for the very first time in our yeah, industry history, we will see this shift going to happen, right? So we believe the entire power of the value chain is actually, um, yeah, turned upside down, flipped, or if you want to make um, um, a mobility picture, well, it's taken a U-turn. So yeah, the great inversion, as we call it. And in there, we see different focus fields, right? So there is something on the, um, on the traveler side that we see all things related to also sustainability. We call it like the disruption of decision-making because of the self-empowered traveler. Right. So because of Corona, everyone kind of had to deal with their own, with their own value sets. And, hey, how do I make decision making? And in travel mobility, also accommodation, we saw for the very first time that price was not the leading decision factor anymore. Right. So it was flexibility because of security. Right. So I need to want to have like full cancellation policies and all those kind of stuff. Right. So those were more important actually than the price because no one knew if we can travel anymore. But then there's now also sustainability coming into um, into the decision making process. Maybe also new work is coming in there. So there are a lot more factors. It's becoming much more complex than just having the best price. Right. And it's the travelers that are actually demanding this, right? And another subtrend that we see in there is what we call the long tail of travel. That uh, also something for uh, the marketing uh, experts here is that niche audiences are becoming much more, yeah, coming much more to the forefront. And actually, it's not even niche, right? But they have been ignored. For the entire history of the industry, right? So there was like this, I don't know, you go on Expedia, you go on booking.com, and you will find all sorts of different filters that you can customize for, right? But those are kind of addressed to everyone and none at the same time, right? And every company tries to target us as an individual. However, we believe that we identify ourselves as tribes. Right? So we identify with different groups and communities. And today I might identify with, I know, a business because I'm a business traveler. Tomorrow I want to travel with my family. And the other day I want to book a travel for a bachelor's party. Right, And we could argue this is nearly impossible to, um, to target on an individual level. But you can very well target those different communities. And uh, based on the concept of the long tail, this is also something how the internet works. Right. So and we believe that or we already see that there are products targeted to not really niche, but really big travel markets. And this can either be on an um, ethnic kind of level. Right. So we've seen halal and Muslim travel going big lately. Same is true with I don't know, Latin black travel, like really ethnic segments. Mm -hmm. But um, we also see this from an interest level as well. So this could also be on a football travel, beach travel, wellness travel, could also be the female solo traveler, something trending very lately as well. And mm -hmm. in the past, those has been, I know, not even considered as a valuable market. But if you look at the numbers, though, the numbers are really significant. And each of those communities, they need 
specific products, or at least they need specific information to make their travel decisions, right? So I know if I want to go on tennis travel, like let's call that, and um, and if we take tennis travel for example. I want to have the information very specific on which travel courts are nearby, um, what, what's the weather really going to be, and all sorts of different information that is somewhere out in the world, but not nicely presented and integrated in there. So the long tail of travel is like also one of those where we see communities defining the future of demand. Mm-hmm. No, no, this long tail, like you said, in marketing, especially, let's say, SEO, it's been for a long time and it goes providing content for this long tail uh, group, niche groups. And one thing that I see and probably goes along with this long tail is how, and this is something I saw analysis from Luhansa Innovation Hub as well, is how types of travel changed. Usually we had like this business travel leisure and now we have all kinds of new niches or new, let's say, long term or short term, however you want to call it in terms of uh, digital nomads in terms of leisure, in terms of uh, a term that I saw, I think you called blurred travel. So these are all these things, I think, that is, goes along to what you were talking about, right? At BranchSpots, we are a passionate team with deep cross-functional experience in airline and travel tech, travel retail, and end-to-end customer experience. We offer Transform Consulting Services and Triplake, our best-in-class digital commerce platform. With Triplake, we deploy the latest technology and retail thinking and make it easy for you to drive personalized end-to-end experiences for your customers and meet your revenue goals. We are an IATA strategic partner for digital innovation to drive together the future of travel. We have been a long-term trusted partner for LH Group, IAG, AGN, TAP, Air Malta and more. Visit BranchSpace.com to learn how we turn the current challenges airlines are facing in the digital world into opportunities. Yeah, so what you are referring to is what we call blurred travel. So we see new alternative emerging use cases, especially in business travel. So a lot of people are asking us, hey, do you guys see business travel coming back or not, right? And every Every consultancy makes it the predictions. Yeah, it's coming back at the end of 2022. But slower. <laughs> yeah, but by 80%. And the next consultancy says, ah, it's coming back by 60% in next summer. And so there are a lot of different predictions out there. We just say, hey, yes, it's coming back, but a lot differently than we're used to it. And blood travel is actually what we coined the term in a phenomena that we see that Before, there were very clear distinctions of, hey, people travel for business purposes or for leisure purposes, right? So there was a really clear, strict line. Same was true with our work and uh, private life things, right? So there was a clear distinction of, hey, I go to the office, there I work, and then I am home, and very clear distinction. Then with the rise of home offices and remote work, those lines began to blur, right? Some of us even worked out of our own bedrooms, right? So when you work and sleep in the very same room, well, there's no strict line anymore. And um, we saw a similar phenomena with travel use cases actually happening, but actually now driven from the leisure travel side that, well, if we could work remotely from kind of everywhere or work from home, we can just 
spring our home wherever we want to be, right? So people started to do what is now called vacations. So they will travel privately, pay for it privately, but then work from wherever they are. Right. So it's it's not a leisure travel anymore. Right. It's not meant for relaxation. But yes, there's exploration. There's also some sort of relaxation purpose to it. But yes, they will also work to do it. Right. And um, and this is not a business trip. Right. You're not going to a conference. You're not uh, probably Mm -hmm. not going to a client side or whatever. So vacation is one of the. And this is where I saw airlines even relaxing, but companies like uh, Airbnb, I saw you publish data that uh, yeah. uh, length of uh, Airbnb booking stay in some in these cases, it's very long uh, length of airline stay or from yeah. return and trip uh, is much longer. And some of the airlines and companies like booking adapted and created products to address these new trends, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, as you just said, Airbnb was actually one of the very first kind of really seeing this trend, but also reacting on it and really putting it high on their strategic agenda and uh, creating better products for it, right? So that you could see, hey, is there a fast internet connection? Is there maybe also office equipment in there? And really making, yeah, the decisions way easier to choose an accommodation, but also um, a destination to do so. And then we saw, let's, First, the accommodation providers really going into it, right? So there's also TUI that have whole mm-hmm. vacation resorts, right? So their big vacation resorts, they um, were renovating some of the of the rooms in there to make really, yeah, people stay for weeks and months in one of those resorts, right? And that's kind of really, I know, a different life campus, more or less, right? So yeah. we saw those happening a lot. But also, I know, for example, during Corona, there was the hotels that actually rented out their rooms to offices kind of for the local people, right? So there were a lot of interesting things happening there, especially from the accommodation side. And then we wanted to understand, hey, what can we do from an airline side also from a different perspective? Like, do we see it as well? And then we partnered up with Skyscanner and their data team to actually look into flight booking data to see, do we also see that kind of in, yeah, like the different, like from the inbound and outbound flights kind of like, like, do we also see this extension yeah, of trips? Yeah. Length, yeah. yeah. Like if it gets like longer and yeah, and we see it and the same is true kind of, do we see certain destinations um, kind of like being featured even more or growing um, as this blurred uh, travel trend is growing. And we also see that. And we believe it's very, very interesting because it is not that kind of, traveling is going down, right? Yes, we see that business travel is not back to the numbers before, but people are still traveling and there's also parts of business in it. But actually, it's a completely new category being born and there's so much opportunity in it actually to create products that are fitting those people, right? So because if you're traveling for a couple of weeks or months, well, you might want to take more than one luggage, for example, right? Or you might want to go to specific uh, destinations or you, if you go somewhere, you might travel uh, back and forth from time to time. And the flexibility that you said before, even the Corona airlines saw that maybe we need to do something with flexibility. And this is, I think, a great example of trying to build a product that's more flexible in terms of uh, dates and uh, flexibility around them. Yeah. And it's also a very good example in terms of what we just discussed in sorts of um, unconventional data perspective, right? Because 
we don't really have historic data on that, right? It's a new phenomena. This is something that we don't know how this will go in the future because there's still a lot of discussions whether employers um, really, um, like how they decide on it, right? So do they um, encourage their employees to go on vacations or to do leisure travel, right? Which was, I know, supposed to be one of the biggest trends like for the past, five years before Corona, right? Everyone was like, yeah, leisure travel is the next big thing, but never really took off because the employers and the work policies were not really clear about it, right? And next to vacations, we will also see, well, if people travel for business, well, they might also make uh, more out of it in the future because of new work, because of sustainability, maybe because of cost or whatever reasons. So a lot of different interesting new use cases popping up. Yeah, and especially, I think, big part of it, it's also attracting, especially digital talent. I think it's uh, it's a big uh, part of company's value proposition, uh, uh, let's say, stimulating or allowing or supporting some of these options for the digital talent that we are all fighting for. So I think that's definitely something to monitor. Maybe to end this discussion, the last segment or the last part that I want to talk to you about is because one of the things that we talked before this chat was said one of the things that uh, you're, let's say, looking into or you worked in the past is how to drive innovation, especially you're talking about startups, startup environment, how you monitor this and Lufthansa Innovation Hub, I think based on what I heard, worked like with a lot of startup uh, principles or concepts. Then you work in this, you have to work with the corporate uh, ecosystem, with the whole Lufthansa group, which is a huge corporate ecosystem. So maybe some things or what are your thoughts around, because what I see also or saw in your reports when you were doing one of the reports is how much airlines are investing in startups. I was surprised because I see a lot of news, but when you put it all data together, I saw the data that there was like only 7% of airlines are doing investment in startups, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe what are some of the learnings or some of the devices or some of the trends there that you can share with our audience? Yeah, yeah. We obviously look into how are other airlines and other stakeholders kind of um, innovating, right? And um we at Lufthansa Innovation Hub, we kind of also see ourselves as the bridge between the corporate world and the startup world, right? And we really believe in the ecosystem approach because if you look into the past decades of our industry, there wasn't too much of innovation going on because everyone tried on their own, right? And we believe that a lot of the next big things that need to happen, like need to happen together, right? So it needs to happen maybe between airlines between travel management and um, mobility operators. It might need to happen between airlines and airports, right? So there's a lot of need to be happen kind of like in the ecosystem. That's also, for example, why we share most of the research that we actually do, right? So this is kind of 
pushing the ecosystem even further, right? Pushing the limits of our industry as we know it, and maybe also pushing the limits in terms of how innovation has been approached in the past. And if we specifically look at airlines, innovation is nowadays typically approached by joining an accelerator program, right? So the tech stars, the plug and plays, or maybe the FTE startup hubs in the world, right? Uh, participating in those um, programs to have um, some sort of intersection with the startups to see what is happening in there, but also yeah, to engage with them and potentially start a POC, implement their solutions, and maybe also doing investments. But as you just said, if we look at the numbers of airlines that really invest in startups, which is just one possibility to um, to seize opportunities in terms of innovation, but it is still not a lot, right? And um, same is true with building actually solutions or maybe also building startups on our own. This is something that Lufthansa Innovation Hub is trying to do to actually build companies, build startups for the industry, right? And you could argue that then Lufthansa as an airline is our first customer, right? Because we not only build B2C passenger-centric solutions, but also a lot of B2B solutions, right? So that are tailored to airlines, accommodation providers, travel managers, um, yeah, all sorts of yeah, uh, travel stakeholders. And, um, and yeah, doing this together, also kind of building, investing or partnering are at least those three different modes where you have a lot of different shades as well, right? So you can uh, I know, mm-hmm. invest for a minority state, but you can also acquire something. And we believe airlines or so other stakeholders and travel mobility tech, they are not taking this potential to the fullest, right? So they are mostly using the same, let's call it weapon of innovation in terms of uh, maybe doing some partner, uh, startup partnerships, but still in a very, let's say, low or starting level kind of. We see some of those also what we call innovation leaders really mm-hmm having very active CVC funds uh, out there, right? This is also something where we at Lufthansa, we are still on a journey, right? So we do single investments um, very successfully in the past, but we don't uh, have a CVC yet, right? So this is something we are advocating for, and maybe this might happen in the future or not, but we can still do single investments uh, until then, or we we drive doing partnerships and we build on the side as well. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a provocative question, but you talked a little bit about that uh, airlines still don't invest in the startups and part of, or one of the number again, or one of the insights that I saw from your analysis of airline earning calls is that lately very few were talking about innovation and digital and all these things. Which to me, I don't know, typically they said every crisis, innovation should come out of it. Or Why don't? Why do you think we don't see it? Why do you think it's uh, not on the agenda uh, in the current uh, situation for the airlines? I think airlines, it has been one of the hardest hit industries as well, right? So there was, I'd say, a lot of effort kind of that needed to be taken to arrive at where we are today right and some of some airlines were able also to have like this second kind of time scale next to it right saying okay let's already now invest into a future where the majority of the business is kind of still 
uh, trying to rebuild uh, operations, but we kind of need to have the second time, right? But all the other ones, like, they are now also getting to it, right? And passengers and also other stakeholders, also financial shareholders, they are now expecting airlines to, um, yeah, to be more innovative, at least kind of in when it comes to terms of fixing the apparent problems of our industry, right? So we are still having okay. lots of cancellations. Um, the, um, yeah, so the, the operations are not running smooth. Hardware has been, like Corona has been really hard on hardware as well, right? So there are a lot of problems kind of that need to be fixed. And also it's really apparent that also from a digital experience, right, that self-servicing and uh, all the different things that we are used to from other parts of our life, right? And it's not only e-commerce, but it's also now um, on a um, grocery delivery. It's even e-health, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of things has been digitalized over the past. However, it feels that travel and mobility kind of might still lag behind. And um, however, we see more and more uh, active airlines and stakeholders and uh, also trying to diversify their approaches and how to seize innovation. And uh, yeah, we believe that the next wave of innovation is about to come. We as Lufthansa Innovation have <laughs> are very much kind of fighting at the forefront of pushing the industry, the ecosystem, mm -hmm. and also our corporate mother, the Lufthansa Group. Now you're, it's good to to be optimistic at the end. And uh, I think you're doing a great job, as I said, with research and all the insights. Last thing before I let you go, Tima, to be agile, to have this open mind thinking, know about all these opportunities to analyze trends and see, you need to learn, you need to be up to date. What's your preferred way to, to stay on top, to learn? What is your... Uh, Let's say well, one, uh, how do you learn about all these things? Well, first of all, I would say it's a mindset question that you want to be kind of continuously learning and true, really true. do so. And uh, also it's important for every corporate to have people that have like maybe this also is part of their job description or time. Yeah. And um, yeah, and actually we do this by constantly scanning what is out there, right? Using different tools. One of the tools that we use is Feedly, right? So you can also read about how we use it in a case study that has been published recently. And based on that, we have created our own set of tools, right? Um, one of the biggest tools that we are currently building is called Benchwatch, where we actually bring in all the different things that we see out there and try to make sense of, right? So this is kind of our connecting point of like the different inboxes, right? To really mm -hmm. look out there systematically because it is not enough to Google every now and then, uh, yeah. right? Like you need to connect to all sorts of different obvious and unobvious sources, right? And um, really be open also to see and learn new things. And if you see something weird, don't just say, okay, that's like weird. This is like not interesting, but rather try to understand, right? So keep asking questions and trying to understand like, why did they choose to do so? And if you see it happen multiple times, well, then there is like what we call a signal cluster and there might be more to it, right? So worth uh, monitoring over time. Thanks. This was awesome. So thanks again, Tino, for taking the time and looking forward to talk to you, if not before, 
after another 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you very much. And yeah, thank you for having us. At BranchSpots, we are a passionate team with deep cross-functional experience in airline and travel tech, travel retail, and end-to-end -end customer experience. We offer transform consulting services and Triplake, our best-in-class digital commerce platform. With Triplake, we deploy the latest technology and retail thinking and make it easy for you to drive personalized end-to-end -end experiences for your customers and meet your revenue goals. We are an IATA strategic partner for digital innovation to drive together the future of travel. We have been a long-term trusted partner for LH Group, IAG, AGN, TAP, Air Malta and more. Visit branchspace.com to learn how we turn the current challenges airlines are facing in the digital world into opportunities.